Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in New York football podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals and the only place for every New York football team and their fans. Do you believe? I'm your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez, and welcome back to yet another episode of the New York Football Podcast. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. Like, download, subscribe, rate, comment, do it all. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod, as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez. One month down and hopefully only another month to go as April is finally here after what was a long and dark month of March. And although we're still quarantined, we're going to continue to stay strong, stay inside, and uh, ultimately wait out this pandemic. Um, We still have a full show for you guys today. As always, mock draft season is upon us. With the NFL Draft still set to kick off at the end of April. So I'll give you guys my first two round scenarios for both the Giants and the Jets. It won't be a full mock, but the first two rounds, um, two scenarios for both teams for the t- first two rounds. My good friends Jim Pizzappi and Joe Monaco also stopped by the show to talk some Giants. And in honor of Gronk winning a WWE Championship at WrestleMania this past weekend, we have some fun drafting out our top Giants. We'd want to have our backs uh, either as like security guards in the street, in a fight, whatever it may be, in a wrestling match. So uh, a great interview with them and uh, really a lot of fun. Uh, you guys can go on our Twitter also and vote on who had the best four uh, Giants that you'd agree with having your back in a fight. And uh, yeah, be sure to vote on it on the poll and uh, let us know what you guys think. But with that said, we're going to begin the show or open the show before we get into sports on a bit of a sadder note. Obviously, there's a crazy world out there right now and uh, people are losing loved ones and things are happening every day as we are ultimately reaching the peak of or what should be the peak of this crazy virus. And uh, with that said, uh, you know, for the most part, I felt very fortunate that no one close to me for a while there had been affected by this virus but unfortunately that didn't last too long as the community of Weehawken lost someone very close to them uh he's a great person someone close to myself he was the president of the Weehawken board of education uh went by the name of Barca to me his name's Richard Barca he passed away a few days ago uh to complications due to the coronavirus uh Barca was not only the person who would hand every student a high school diploma um wasn't just a leader, wasn't just a friend. Uh, but for myself, he was someone who really got involved uh, after college for me and helped me get involved in coaching football and really just exploring what that guy was going to do in life. And, you know, losing Barca is very unfortunate um, for multiple reasons, obviously for the circumstances now, but also because I, I know how much sports meant to him and especially, you know, for my hometown, Weehawken Sports in general, i never seen a guy... Uh, support this program and our football program as much as he really did and so you know with sports 
left up in the air, schools left up in the air with a bit of an unknown on what's to come. Uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to Barca and let him know that as long as there's a season, um, I'll be coaching on the sidelines with him in mind, with him in memory, uh, with heavy heart, and uh, let him know he'll be missed and uh, rest in peace. Now we're going to get back on a positive note and start the show with the NFL releasing the all-decade teams. Um, recapping the full teams uh, would be a little pointless uh, for a New York-based football show, mainly because there's only one representative uh, on any team, on offense, defense, special teams, even coaches. So uh, with that said, shout-out to the one and only Revis Island, Darrell Revis, for representing the city of New York on the all-decade team Revis played 11 seasons in the NFL, eight of them with the Jets, and helped lead the Jets to back-to-back AFC Championship games. Revis was a four-time All-Pro, three times with New York, and of course, something Jets don't want to hear, Jets fans don't want to hear, one time with the New England Patriots, where he ultimately won his only Super Bowl ring in 2014. Uh, Revis was also a seven-time Pro Bowler. Uh, He finished his career with 29 interceptions, Three of them returned for touchdowns. All of those were actually in the beginning of his career uh, in the first five seasons with the Jets. So uh, to get us started on the show today, congrats to Revis for representing New York on the all-decade team. And hopefully come the next decade, uh, New York can be represented over the 20s on the all-decade team by at least more than one player if uh, we play our cards right. But again, congrats to Revis. And now we're going to switch on over to some... NFL draft mocks, um, at least for the first two rounds, like I noted uh, to open the show. Uh, there's actually some news on the NFL front as well. Uh, we already assumed it on this show, but it is now official that everything will be done virtually for the NFL draft. That means everyone will be held separately. There were some rumors that NFL teams would rent out hotels and still try to manage things from a distance and do social distancing. This way they could close them, uh, keep themselves close enough to uh, make decisions together. But it looks like that will not be happening. Uh, the NFL came out and said everything will be done virtually, which means essentially you're going to need a ton of bandwidth. Uh, that's the word being thrown around out there. They're going to need a ton of ba- bandwidth. And uh, their IT departments are going to really have to be on their toes to make sure all the staff is in communication uh when need be, when they're on the clock. Uh, so I guess Dave Gettleman might be shooting himself in the foot by not believing in analytics and technology too much right now. But we won't dive into all of that right now because that's an entire other rabbit hole we can go down. But with the virtual draft ahead, um, I'm just going to open by saying I'm treating this mock. There's going to be no trades in this. Um, the Giants are the most linked to trades I've actually seen some potential mocks where the Jets trade a few picks back as well. Um, I'm going to keep this plain and simple, keep it as is. But with that said as well, I don't know if there's going to be that many trades with just the logistics of everything, with teams not being able to be close enough to each other to really work everything out. Um, If there is a trade, I believe it might happen before the draft. But draft day trades, for me, I think this draft is going to be very different than anything we expect or we're used to. And... It's going to be interesting to monitor. Uh, so on that note, again, there's going to be no trades. So I have the Giants at number four. And in the second round with the 36, uh, 36th overall pick, 
and I have the Jets here at 11, and in the second round with the 48th overall pick. So we'll start with Big Blue, and we're going to start with the Giants, and you've heard me vocal on this show uh, week in, week out, and I'll start with the obvious one uh, for me where I, I believe they take Isaiah Simmons at number four, and this is a, a, a statistic that I, I haven't mentioned on this show. I've mentioned a lot of his statistics, definitely uh, last year's statistics. But this one I haven't mentioned. Isaiah Simmons was only one of two players last season uh, in the FBS with seven-plus sacks and three interceptions. Just going to throw that one out there. Uh, I've been very vocal about how talented I think he is, and I think the Giants should definitely get him. I see Mox showing him slipping uh, to even 10, 9, um, I even saw a mock on CBS where he the the Giants trade back to nine and they still don't take Isaiah Simmons and Simmons goes after. I mean that would be such a twilight zone for me if they trade back and could get Simmons and they still don't draft him. That would just be crazy town. But um, nevertheless, um, Isaiah Simmons at four and now when you look at number thirty six, then. It's interesting because I do think the next pick has to be a lineman, naturally. Um, And the Giants, in a perfect world, have been linked to FaceTiming um, center, the top center in the draft, uh, Cesar Ruiz. And Ruiz has been in contact with several teams. Uh, I've been told or I've seen that He's communicated with at least 20-plus teams. And my thought is he's going to go late first round. I think a team that really needs a lineman or even a center, such as like the Ravens, um, is definitely something, a a realm of possibility. And so in a perfect world, sure, Ruiz would be the Giants guy there. Maybe they even trade back into the first round to get him because of that gigantic hole at center. Um, But they also have some big holes at tackle. And I know we have Solder, I know we have Fleming, but I think a guy that is floating under the radar and in terms of, because here's the thing, I looked at Makai Becton as this ferocious refrigerator type tackle that his intangibles jump off the screen and it's someone you'd want to take that high, but you'll have to develop a little bit more. Now for the second round, I looked at the same intangibles. And I looked at all the linemen that potentially be off the board, and he got overshadowed by his fellow teammate, Andrew Thomas. And I'm going to go with here at number 36. I think the Giants can take Isaiah Wilson. It'll be the draft of the Isaiahs. Um, Wilson is 6'6", 350. He played right tackle for Georgia. Um, ran a 5-3-2 uh, for his size, which doesn't jump off your screen. Um, jump Doesn't jump off the page, but it should because... He's 350 pounds, and he's 6'6", and can at least run that. Not everyone's uh, Mackay Becton. Uh, But with that said, Brooklyn native, so he's a New Yorker. And although Wilson's going to leave two years on the table, he started all 14 games at right tackle as a freshman. He was a freshman All-American. He missed some time last year with an ankle injury, uh, three games, but he was still a second-team AP All-American despite those missed games. The, The biggest critique on him, is his footwork, bend, balance, and technique. But if you're teetering on the fence of the Giants taking one of those big tackles, I mean, Tristan Wirfs is, for me, the odds-on best guy, best lineman in the draft. I think when you look at everything on paper, I think 
he jumps off the page to me like a Quentin Nelson, where you just know this guy's going to go on the field and be a beast. I think Makai Becton um, is a staple left tackle, but you don't know that right away. And I think uh, Jedrick Willis is also up there. I think those guys are solid tackles. But in terms of most complete and most lock-in uh, tackle, I think if the Giants were to get anyone other than Simmons at four, and I'll get to my other side, um, my other scenario, it would have to be Tristan Wirfs because I'm not too high on those other tackles. Now, with that said, if they were to go tackle, I do think uh, getting someone with Isaiah Wilson's intangibles in the second round would definitely be in the interest of the Giants. But now to switch to the second scenario, if the Giants didn't take Simmons at four, ideally I think Tristan Wirfs would be the guy that they should get. And uh, I said that I wasn't that high on Becton and Willis, and it's not that I'm not that high on him. I just think the four pick is just very valuable. I mean, you're you're inside the top five. It should be best available, and to me, the best available is Werfs, um, especially when you think about Burrow going one and another quarterback possibly going in that top three. You're going to have Pickens at essentially a best player at position, whether it's the best defensive player available or even offensive lineman. So I think Werfs is the way to go there. Um if they didn't go with Simmons. But now, obviously, Werfs would go four, so then who goes at 36 if they no longer need a lineman? And this is another guy I already tied in on this show that I think they should size up at the second-round pick. And it would be interesting if they did go Isaiah Simmons if they um, somehow tried to get into the second round and maybe get two picks or whatever it may be, or even double down on linebacker. But I really like Zach Bond uh, from Wisconsin, former teammate of Ryan Conley. Uh, I just think that Badger tie would be great. He's an edge. It's something that they need. Uh, and he has great on-ball skills. Uh, I think I, a Tristan Wirfs and a Zach Bond tra- uh, draft for the f- uh, one and two picks uh, would not bother me at all as a Giant fan. And I also think that uh, an all-Isaiah draft wouldn't bother me either. Uh those are both scenarios to me where it's definitely win-win, and I think those address the two needs. We, we I, Linebacker is something, although we addressed it with Blake Martinez, is something that edge and on the outside is something we desperately need. And I think if you ask any Giant fan, it'd be hard for them to argue that drafting any lineman wouldn't be in our best interest. And, of course, we have, we have a third, and we, we, we have other invested picks later on in the draft that you could address it. And if, you know, certain players slip and, you know, certain needs are there, sure. I think later in the draft, they're going to address a number four wide receiver for sure. But I think in those first two rounds, uh, with the amount of talent, at least lineman-wise and defensive-wise, that are going to kind of slip and go under the radar because of how wide receiver heavy it's going to be and quarterback heavy it's going to be, I think the Giants should be ready to go and um, really sit in a spot where, they should gra- they should grab a lineman, at least one of the top ten linemen available, and one of the top three linebackers available. And I think if they could do that, they put themselves in a prime position to really succeed this year um, on both sides of the ball, or at least get better. But now let's switch over to the New York Jets and Gang Green. And again, I've hinted at uh, my expectations with the first round picks from both of these teams. Uh, a handful of times on this show, but that's why I think two scenarios are ideal. I've mentioned uh, 
two guys, uh, at least for both of these teams, that could immediately help them. And they're both in positions, the Jets being outside the top 10, to really grab a guy, um, especially if they slip, with tons of talent because they're very quarterback-needy teams. And that's why it helps to have a young quarterback that you're already invested in so you could fix those needs elsewhere. So the Jets at 11 uh, have a few ways to go about helping their quarterback. And in these scenarios, I have either them taking a wide receiver or a lineman. Um, they addressed the lineman situation a little more aggressively than the Giants did this offseason. And so with that said, I think the first scenario here is more uh, locked in. And I think this is more uh, ideal for them, especially with the way free agency worked out, losing Robbie Anderson. Um, I think them getting a wide receiver in either... Uh, I have them here at 11 taking Jerry Judy, uh, but I think if they ended up with C.D. Lamb, that is also okay. I have a very good feeling that this wide receiver class is going to be very similar to the Odell Jarvis, Mike Evans draft class of receivers because I think, at least with those two guys, I think C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy, if they ended up with either of them, are super talented, uh, both uh, route-running extraordinaires, uh, can go make plays, uh, after the catch, in the air, and downfield. And that fills the need that they have. Uh, obviously, they sh- they signed Bashad Perryman, and they still have Jameson Crowder, but they do need one more guy. I know Quincy Anunwa is still on the roster and you know can be serviceable when healthy, but to bank on that is, uh, is not ideal. Perryman's also on a one-year deal, and Crowder's, you know, a veteran in this league, but to get a guy that can really grow with Sam Darnold, I think, is essential. I think it's essential for any young quarterback. I think on the Giants side of things, when you look at uh, them being able to get someone like Darius Slayton late in the draft, also a rookie with Daniel Jones, and just developing that chemistry was gigantic. And I think uh, someone with Jerry Judy's talent um, and ability to get open is just what Sam uh, Sam Darnold needs, especially because if you look outside Jamison Crowder last year, you saw a lot of drop passes and a lot of stagnant routes from the uh, from the Jets' wide receiver tree. And so... Having a guy like Jerry Judy get open and you have someone to worry about and Le'Veon Bell in the box, uh, I think teams would be not as reluctant to stack the box, and I think it would open a lot of things up. Having someone like Judy that could carve up his own defense and uh, really separate himself with his route running and and man-to-man coverage. So I have them there at 11, taking Jerry Judy. Uh, I'll get to the other scenario. It won't have a receiver at 11, but now they got a receiver, so what do they do at 48? Now... It's it's interesting because Wilson would be a bit of a, a stretch. Isaiah Wilson would be a, a bit of a reach in a sense for the Giants um, at in the second round. But for the Jets, he may be there. And if the Giants don't take him or whatever happens at 48, I think Isaiah Wilson is something that should interest the Jets, of course. But I'm going to go somewhere different and very similar, though, at least in intangibles. And it's another uh, inside the top 10 lineman uh, prospects. And it's going to be Ezra Cleveland. He is a left tackle, a uh, three-year starting left tackle from Boise State. Stands at 6'6 as well, similar to Wilson, 311 pounds. Now, unlike Wilson, uh, obviously the 311 pounds is about a 40-pound difference. He's a little speedier, a little more athletic. Um, and I'm sure Jets fans hear that, and they're like, well, we have George Fan. We don't need another uh, nimble body, athletic-type tackle. Uh, and I understand that, and I think... 
you know, it could really teeter for either Wilson or Cleveland there. Um, those are both back-end top 10 linemen prospects. I like Cleveland because of the quickness. He has long arms. He has 34-inch arms. Uh, he ran a 4.93. Uh, most of this doesn't uh, factor in being an offensive tackle. And although he's, he, he was a three-year starter at left tackle, he probably slide in at right. Uh, it's... It's a dangerous game you play with an athletic tackle, or I think you know maybe he could just work behind Fant, who right now, if you look at it, is starting at left tackle for the Jets. So that's where I'm at. I mean, he battled turf toe last year, uh, but so he missed some games there. He missed some time, but he still played the whole season. He just missed practice time. The biggest thing is he's experienced at the position, and... He can get stronger. He has the athleticism. He just has to hit the weight room a little bit more. And I think what you get in the NFL and you develop that program, it can it can come out. It could come out. So I think his size is there. I think the athleticism is there. He just naturally has to get stronger, which I think isn't the most impossible thing to do in the NFL, especially given you know how these athletes commit to their craft. So in scenario one, it'd be Judy and either... Cleveland or potentially Isaiah Wilson if the Giants or the surplus of linemen somehow fall deeper into that mid-second round area. Now, for Jet fans that are concerned about that offensive line still, I got you here with the second scenario. What they're going to do is draft Wilson's teammate, and a name I mentioned already in this show uh, a few minutes ago there, in left tackle Andrew Thomas. Now, Thomas uh, has played both positions. He'd get the most looks at left tackle, being that other than Becton, he is the most solidified uh, left tackle in the draft. Uh, he's 6'5", 315, uh, long arms, 36-inch arms, uh, big body, guy can move. And, you know, in competition every year for the top lineman in college over the last three seasons, uh, played for one of the best rushing teams in the nation in Georgia um, and was the blind side for that team over that time, uh, time span. So proven, if you put on the tape, you can see it. And I think with the Jets setup, when you have someone like Adoga coming back, I think it's more ideal if you get Thomas and try to nourish, uh, nourish him at the left tackle spot and maybe compete uh, with Fan and Adoga at the right tackle position. Uh, that would be more ideal for Jet fans, and I think that in a perfect world would make a little more sense. Um, especially when you have interior guys as good as McGovern and uh, Van Rotten really holding it down. It's those outside tackle positions that uh, competition wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing, and I think uh, gaining depth in those positions and getting someone uh, by, with the talent of Andrew Thomas wouldn't necessarily hurt just because he has the intangibles, the size, the proven track record, the experience, and uh, would be able to come in and being in the Georgia offense, he'd be able to come in right away and really uh, benefit the team. Uh, so now with that said, I, and, I, and I think this scenario might be more ideal for Jets fans because they need a receiver. They need a receiver, the Jets, and Judy would be top notch or CeeDee Lamb would be top notch, but now it's so deep and there is a chance that this heavy wide receiver draft class, maybe after the first four or five teams start to back off a little bit. So what does that mean? Well, it leaves... Guys like either Justin Jefferson, maybe late first, early second, or a guy who I have the Jets taking at number 48 here 
in Brandon Ayuk, uh, the wide receiver from Arizona State. He is a yards after the catch machine, a deep field guy, uh, a down the field guy. Ran a four five forty, and he's easily one of the best change of pace guys in the draft from the wide wide receiver position. Uh, if you really need the video to prove it, uh, this is what made me convinced that I think he'd be a great fit if he was still out of the first round for the Jets. If you put on the tape from the Oregon game this past season, uh, Arizona State was able to upset Oregon, and he had a huge part of it. Essentially put the game away with like an 81-yard touchdown uh, on a double move over the top. Huge play. Uh, He finished that game with seven receptions, 161 yards, and that big touchdown. And I think Ayuk is a guy that... Jets fans, if they just got Andrew Thomas uh, with that 11 pick, and then they were able to get Ayuk. And, I mean, I love Justin Jefferson, and if he's there, I think uh, he's just a big body guy, and I think that's someone who could also, uh, you know, be serviceable for the Jets' offense. But if you're really looking for someone to stretch the defense and, uh, you know, just be a change-of-pace guy, if anyone gives Brandon Ayuk off coverage, the guy has the chance to uh, break the play and take it for a touchdown. So, think Ayuk is a guy that if the Jets don't go receiver early is someone they'd be very hopeful uh, drops onto their lap there at 48. So I think any way you look at it uh, for both these teams um, there's obviously a trend I think the two biggest needs for both these teams at least for the Giants it's going to be a guard tackle linebacker that type of a you know three mix uh, however they want to do it. And uh, for the Jets, it'd be wide receiver and lineman as well. I think mostly tackle for them. And when you think about these New York teams both needing tackles, uh, we they're both going to have similar needs or, or wants with players. So there's a chance that, uh, you know, they're not that close, but the Giants could end up taking someone in the second round there that maybe the Jets really need or want, and they'll have to change their pace. Uh, it's seven picks away, but, you know, still a realm of possibility with them both needing uh, a lineman and, Depending on how they decide to go with the first round, it'd be it'll be interesting to watch. It'll be interesting to watch. But uh, now, with that said, we're gonna switch on over to my interview here with Jim Pazappi and Joe Monaco. Uh, wasn't too much of an interview. I asked them a few off-season questions, um, and it was really just a light discussion. Uh, we wanted to have some fun with it and do something different here, as uh, obviously we're awaiting for sports to come back. And uh, we're really just looking for something to make us laugh here uh, during these dark times and keep us distracted from all the craziness going on in the world. So a big shout out and thanks to Jim and Joe for both coming on here. Uh, we give you guys our top four giants. We'd like to have our backs uh, in a fight, in a bar, in the street, as a bodyguard, whatever it may be. So uh, enjoy. Uh, here they are, Jim Pizzappi and Joe Monaco. All right, now we have uh, my good friends, Joe Monaco and Jim Pizzappi. Uh We're going to try to take a lighter note here during this quarantine and try to talk a little more loosely about the Giants. Obviously, a big month coming up with the draft. We had some free agent signings as well. Um, so we'll start there, guys. Uh, any free agents that popped out, you know, or stood out for you guys that you were either yay or definitely nay on? And where do you guys lean uh, on this free agency as a whole? I do like the the James Bradbury signing. That's one in my mind that I thought was like a, a need that the Giants desperately needed to address. I mean, obviously we need 
everything, but I was tired of watching guys just be wide open. Uh, I automatically think of the first half of that Buccaneers game. Even though we won, the cornerback play was just atrocious. Janoris Jenkins in particular that game, I remember he was getting picked on left and right. That's why I wasn't really too upset when they uh, let him go. I mean, granted, he's going to be a role player for the Saints or whatever, but he was getting torched. Yeah, but I could probably be a role player for the Saints, you know? Eli Apple was a role player for the Saints. Exactly. So they're getting Giants wash-ups that – they love the Giants' dirty laundry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was getting toasted. All right, so James Bradbury, um, really just because of coverage purposes, to me, I liked him because of his tackling as well. So I mentioned on the show, I was talking about how the Cardinals game, I don't know if you guys remember, but Chase Edmonds, that was the first game David Johnson like was randomly just suited up, but he wasn't playing. Chase Edmonds, I think, ran for 200 yards against us. Oh, and a lot yeah. of it, a lot of it mm. was secondary guys – where, like, they – all right, they get past our linebackers. Our linebackers are terrible, too. But no one was tackling at all. And it's like, dude, at some point, you got to take pride in your work. And it just seemed like our secondary gave little to no – Just shying away from tackles, even. No, 100%. And, and a lot of these guys – and the issue was, I think, with Janoris Jenkins, too, he was kind of like a bad egg because, I mean, Joe Judge said he's not looking for guys to be, like, you know, role models or whatever. But at the same point – he was a vet, and you guys got – you have people like DeAndre Baker and Julian Love and Corey Ballantyne looking at how he's going about his business. It wasn't a surprise to me that everything was trickling down and it just looked like a bad product on the field. Yeah, he, he was calling out, like, the pass rush and stuff too all season. He's like, I can't cover a guy for eight seconds. Which he's not supposed to do. And he kept, like, saying, like, look at tape, check my stats, like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, like – It's a me guy win some games yeah and, and it's easy to make excuses on a terrible team and our pass rush was shit i mean it doesn't take a genius to figure that out and so bad you already I said it and I, I talk about it on the show all the time uh my biggest thing with judge is like we've yet to commit to a rebuild and no one wants to admit to it but they're not a good team i mean they haven't been a good team and whether it's because there are good players on the team that just don't know how good they actually are and they got to get it out of them or it was those bad apples. But either way, everything was bad. So to me, and we could even talk about the draft, I just want to get Joe's ideas on the free agency as well. But that's why a guy like Isaiah Simmons, they're telling me, well, he does everything, so that might not be great. That is great to me. If he can do everything, we'll find him a everything. spot. We'll find him a spot. If you have good coaching, he'll either get stronger and be an inside guy, or he'll get faster and we'll move him back to safety. Whatever it is, we have options, and this team needs options. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I couldn't say it better myself. We, we, definitely, we definitely need options. It's not sexy, the moves they made, but it's an improvement in every position. I mean, Bradbury, he's not – I mean, he was in a very, very strong receiver division. He had to play Mike Evans, Julio Jones, and Michael Thomas three times uh, – twice a year. We played six times he had to face one of those guys. Uh, Blake Martinez, uh, I'm honestly – I don't know. I'm not – this is the one I'm kind of like – I feel the same way. Because it's kind of like – it's like it's the same time like we got Alec Ogletree a couple years ago. Like we love like like B plus like B minus linebackers. I, was, or I think B plus is generous. B plus is generous. Solid B probably B minus. Like Blake Martinez. Like I mean, the Packers. I mean the Packers are never really too known for their linebackers. So, but uh, it's 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 an improvement every position. I mean Alec Ogletree. I think he was targeted like forty five times this year, and he had like forty completions on him. He couldn't cover anybody. He couldn't really tackle anybody either. He was good for, like, one bullshit interception every couple of games, like, whatever. Yeah. But um, in, in the draft, I also uh, – I'm much more 
like looking forward to this draft than last year because last year was a lot of question mark ups and downs. And then obviously a draft night, everyone was super pissed about the pick. It worked out. But I feel like we can't really lose in this situation because I feel like three things will happen. We'll either play it safe, draft a lineman. I like the guy from Iowa. Uh, we could get Isaiah Simmons, I think is a great pick, can do everything. So it's either defense, a defensive captain basically, or, uh, or we could trade back and get a bunch of picks. I don't think we can lose in this draft. I mean, I feel like Gettleman could find a way to fuck this up, but I didn't. I don't think he will. I think the only way he can, the only way he can, is if he trades back. I already, I've already said this. I'm yeah. on the record for it. And that's there's what, no scenario where you think that's a win. I, I think it can be a win. It just frightens me. Easier to fuck up. What's the return? What's the capital? Does he even understand what he's getting back? Because I feel like a lot of this stuff, it's off the cuff. I mean, my issue with this year too. I'm not saying he's in panic mode, and it doesn't seem like he's in panic mode because he actually made smart off-season decisions. But on the same note, he's on the on the hot seat this season. Oh, absolutely. And I, oh, yeah. he's done a very good job so far. And I've said this: he hasn't crippled us yet, yet. Yeah. But he's not a bad drafter. He's he not a bad. Drafter. He's not. He might not be the best, but he's not a bad. He yeah, isn't, and that's why, especially those first-round picks. I mean. He can spot the right in your face talent. That I'll mm-hmm. say. Like, you know, uh, good for him, I guess, also, right? <laughs> wow. I, well, I mean, he even took the shot on Jones, and people were critical about that. But you know, say what you want. That could have very easily been a Blaine Gabbard, and it's not. I think that was a good year for Jones. Although it's Jones, one year in, that could have gone a lot of other ways. I think if he did Haskins, it very easily could have went down that way of mm-hmm. a headache. The and people wanted him, if you remember. The Redskins might draft a quarterback because they don't like this guy. Apparently, receivers are like, eh, to go there because of him. Like, that's a rumor circling. My thing is, so it just seems that, like, there's a rumor that, oh, he might go for a player X again. I don't think it's going to be that case. Like, he might go for an unknown guy. I think he could mess it up that way, but I don't think he's going to. I think it would be very stupid when you're in the top five picks to not take one. Okay, if they're going to go quarterbacks, two of the top three picks, you're going to get a best player at at a position. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it wouldn't make sense to me. There's just no way he's the GM of an NFL team and he wouldn't take best player available there. To me. And he, he, whether he goes lineman or defense, Isaiah Simmons, half the fan base is going to be pissed. So we just got to wait and see what happens. I think they're going to draft Simmons. I think that's what's going to happen. I'd really hope so. I, I wouldn't be mad about Werfs either. And the thing is, because like, and he, he, this is why I don't mind. So if they did trade back and they got another first out of it, it's like, okay. What's the best case scenario? It's like, you just look back to last year. We had three first round picks. And I just feel like I, I love Dexter Lawrence. And I know DeAndre Baker was our last one. And he's like, he should have been the best corner type of thing. I just don't know if that was like, I just don't know if that's the way to do it. I just like, I'm not convinced getting all those first round picks. And maybe it's because the Cleveland, Bla- uh, Cleveland Browns ruined it for everyone. But like, I don't think it's as easy fight. as we're going to just get a haul of first-round picks because what you end up doing, and you look at teams like the Dolphins this year, like, they're a bad team, but they're still trying to trade those picks. Like, for some reason, they're interchangeable because everyone knows first-round picks, I mean, especially outside the top 10, it can be a toss-up because oh, you're going off what, combined, size, mm-hmm. some tape. I mean, eventually you're going to take chances on guys. I feel like anybody second round on is a toss-up half the time. Let's stay on this note real quick. What, after everything's all said and done, like with this free agency as of right now, I mean, not all said and done because of the draft, but do, do you see the biggest need still the offensive line or do you see the biggest need more towards defense despite us making most of our additions on defense? 
I still think that we need like Bradbury. We're like we could still use another better corner. Like it's gonna be what pass Bradbury. rush. <laughs> pass really rush. Use pass pass rush. rush. I honestly don't. I'm happy we didn't sign Jadavion Jadavion Clowney though, because we that just would have been a huge signing for honestly like a couple. So of, much money that would have cost so much money. Highlight plays when we're down by a bajillion. I honestly the offense line. It wasn't good. It wasn't great. It wasn't huge. It was probably slightly below average. Slightly below. We'll give it a C minus, D plus. Wasn't an F. Probably like twentieth, twenty first in the NFL. We signed that one guy from the Cowboys. Anybody who's in the Cowboys offensive line. Didn't we get the the offensive line coach that we got was the Cowboys one, right? Correct. Yeah, Columbus. We're gonna have this guy back with his coach, so he could he could be solid. Um, and we could always you know draft in the second round too. Like we said, it's a toss up. Wouldn't be as wouldn't be as concrete as the, if we got the kid from Iowa or the kid from Alabama. But I would personally really enjoy, like, a hard – like, a, we, need a, we need a linebacker with identity. Like, we need a guy – we had, like – we had uh, Lawrence Taylor, then we had uh, Antonio Pierce, and then we went down one, we got Michael Boley, and now we've been switching through everybody since. <laughs> In between Antonio Pierce and Michael Boley. Well, I just wanted to touch on, I mean, a few things. So, I mean, we – so we, we ended up still having some money. So what they did was – um, the contracts for Bradbury and Martinez. Everyone initially thought they did what the Jets were doing, and they front-loaded a lot of it, so this way we don't necessarily get crippled in the years down the road. But actually, so what they did with those two contracts is they're taking less money this year, and they're going to have more money the next two years. So there is a chance that they still do sign uh, an edge rush. A lot of people are trying to link them to bring back Marcus Golden, who I think, you know, and, like and, and that's fine. And that's not the answer to all our problems, but no. like what you're saying, we do have the money to go after Clowney. I also don't think getting a guy like that to me, that's like a, a poor man's version of when we try to get Olivier Vernon. And we yeah. were like, Ugh. this guy is a stud pass rush paying everything we want, blah, blah, whatever he wants. And he underperformed and crippled our defense significantly for years. That yeah. was a great yeah. trade to the Browns. The oh, best wow. trade Gettleman's made. It didn't yeah. even matter to me. It didn't even matter to me what we gave up because what we were paying for, we didn't, we didn't get anywhere even near that. It, yeah. And it was so obvious. Yeah. Oh, he was we – we were better off bringing JPP back than signing Olivier Vernon. Maybe, That's yeah, just a fact. Yeah. I would take JPP. Take JPP in a heartbeat. Yeah, absolutely. That so, guy right. did like 15 backflips in a row. <laughs> I was also going to note on the offensive line, I think it's uh, like what you guys were saying. Yeah, we were middle to below average a little bit. We weren't as bad as we were. And I think mm-hmm. what helps that also is that Daniel Jones can be mobile. I think him escaping the yeah. pocket a little bit helps. What looked ugly, and we talked about it right before we got on the air, is that Saquon's rushing numbers were terrible. And... The that Jets game, what, do you have one yard or zero or something? It, it was pathetic. There were a few times he was held under 10 yards. But, and I'm not going to put that all on the offensive line because I, and I followed closely last year. I think a lot of that had to do with Shermer, and I think a lot of it had to do – I mean, I've been very vocal on this show about they didn't use Saquon the right way at all, at all. When your best player was on the field last year and looked as uncomfortable in the offense as he did – there's a major issue. Something's wrong. And that's not players. That's not the players. I, the offensive line at multiple times had miscommunication. Yeah, sure. Certain parts of it has to be them in the film room and all this and that. But if you listen to JoJo speak, and that's why I think this guy's the perfect hire, he's so attention to detail. That's what offensive line is. Learning protection, schemes, stunts. Like, you got to be ready for some of that stuff. You can't just go in there and be like, wow, they're hitting us with this stunt. How are we going to adjust? Like, 
Joe, I mean, you played football too. Like I, I'm, I'm sure you understand too. You're a bigger guy. If a coach is just like block him, you're like, well, what the hell am I supposed to do? I obviously can't block him. But if he's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Point it out, recognize it, find the middle. We're going to communicate. Everything becomes a lot easier. You're not going to, yeah. And it's not like you're going to ever contain them, but you can give that half to a full second more for something to happen. Get a double team too. take a guy out. Granted, he's saying all the right things, and we'll see. But I, I am high on the Joe Judge thing. I, I'm, I'm buying into this guy because I, I think have this, to. this team needs – press conference ever. Yeah. yeah. Everyone – I don't know if they're caught up in the fantasy of, like, we're the four-time Super Bowl champion Giants or what. There is no more of that on the team. Eli is gone. There mm-hmm. are no more champions on this team. Dak diossi has gone. They're all gone. They're all gone. There is no they're entitlement, and that's why I don't mind him. Just saying, I'm not naming anyone. I'm not. He wouldn't. Yeah, he wouldn't even name Daniel Jones as starting quarterback. Because at this point, they're not what the Giants were. Right now, you are what your record says you are, and they are a lost football team. And this guy, whoever we sign, I don't believe in Gettleman. I don't care what he does. I won't believe in him. There's only one thing I can't believe in, and it's it has to be Joe Judge. I don't think we have a choice. And you got to trust that every coach and every corresponding move he's made since taking over is the right move. You just have no choice but to trust it and embrace it. And, you know, you can do a little bit of research on where these coaches were, and obviously it's all going to be impressive stuff, but you got to think that he handpicked the people that he wanted for his program, and we have no choice but to just buy it. And I'm bought in completely. What are your thoughts on the Jason Garrett thing? Because when you think about it, too, that's something like even as Giant fans – I mean, you think of the Eli days. That's probably something you can't even stomach. You're like, Jason Garrett. I don't even say, but you know what? I'm Jason fine with Garrett's it. better than what we have. Man on the inside. I'm fine with it, bro. Yeah, I, I'm fine with it as well. And the guy did his job for a handful of years. And, I mean, you know, were Yankees fans mad when John Gaiman came over, helped him win a World Series a few years later? I wasn't. And we got, we got Freddie Kitchens, too, running the tight end game. We do have Freddie Kitchens. <laughs> and, and so, like, you talk about it. And you really look at the signings, though. Uh, and you mentioned Cam Fleming before, Joe. I think that's why those even make sense. So I don't know if you saw, there was also a signing from the Packers aside from Martinez, Kyler Fackrell. He's a guy that when our DC, Patrick Graham, our new defensive coordinator, he coached him in Green Bay. He had 10 and a half sacks. Last year, Graham left, only had one sack. And he didn't get oh, utilized as much. Together. And, and he so- said, he's like, I like to think of myself as more of a one sack guy. Yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah, he he made that comment. And I think a lot of it, too. And these guys are real people, too. It's situations and it's getting people in the right spots. And that's why I think if you really look on the surface, none of these names are going to be like, oh, my God, like Bradbury's it like Blake Martinez. You Bradbury is the only like lock in for sure. But I think Fleming playing with Judge in New England, although he was an offensive line coach, he was there. And um, in Dallas with both Colombo and Garrett is a smart signing on a one year deal. And I think a guy like Fackrell it's smart, and I think they're low-risk things, and that could really pay off for us. I think they really can. What does a successful season look like to you? Shit, man. More than four wins at this point. Seven and nine playoff berth with the new, yeah. with the new four. Well, so new playoff schedule. Think, uh, yeah, you want to know what the thing is? Last year, and this is how delusional I was as a Giant fan, because the NFC East was so bad. It's like we were still in it Ugh. with three wins in, like, week 10. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if we win out, we could literally do this because we played everyone. And I just don't see how with any of the moves any of the other teams made. I mean, the Eagles are always the Eagles. Like, everyone's going to gas them up. It's up to them if they decide to do anything. Same thing with the Cowboys. And we know when it comes down to it two times a year, we can play. We're going to beat the Redskins. 
So yeah, and the Redskins are we don't they're going to be the worst in my opinion. Yeah, so absolutely. We were I worry about the division, and I I measure our success on how we kind of stay afloat there and compete with those teams. But on the same note, there's another wild card spot now, and there's no way you can try to convince a Giant fan that that shouldn't be the bare minimum. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah. nine wins. Nine wins is a ceiling, and it's like that's a stretch, sure, after coming to four wins. But think about how many one-possession games we lost or losses we Lions. suffered that were just all oh, – The Lions and the Jets games were the worst, dude. Oh, my God. The Cardinals, the Cardinals were terrible at that time. Horrible. And horrible. That, like, set them off, and they finished so much better. And I'm pretty sure it's because they beat on the Giants. They're like, yeah, we can, we can run with Chase Edmonds. And then they got Kenyon Drake. And it's like mm-hmm. – like Kyler Murray started playing well. Like a seven-point game against the Packers in the third quarter. We didn't win a game, and this was because uh, you guys are Yankee fans, but the Mets had won a game before, like more recently than the Giants up until like November. Yeah. That they can't won, be a statistic. They won like the same day, but they won like later on in the day. If we're going to lose three games in a row, fine. But we can't go on every season. Eight games. Our, <laughs> we have like five, six-game losing streaks. That it's just ridiculous. can't happen. It can't happen because there's no momentum to build up. We won two games in a row and then lost. In the last five years, I can think of three seven-game losing streaks off the top of my head. <laughs> the, the second Super Bowl run, we, we went on a losing streak as well. But, you know, you got to contain them. You Eventually. You contain those losing streaks sometimes. Remember Pat Shermer coming off the bye said, uh, we need to give this team a W. And he didn't do it for, like, the, most of the rest of the season. You remember Pat Shermer thought he saved his job because they beat the Dolphins this year? Yeah, Eli's last game, thing. yeah. That was a real thing, and I was unbelievable. Like, Dude, people were like, they're going to keep Shermer. I was like, why? If we, if we kept Shermer, I, don't, I mean, I would not be this optimistic. I, really I thought wouldn't. we were going to keep him for a little bit. There was a period of time where I was like, I think he might have won the, the, the organization over with these last couple wins. I thought it was the NFC Championship. The Redskins game. Yeah, we beat the Redskins again. It's, yeah. We beat the Redskins Redskins the first time with Daniel Jones, and he actually had one of his worst games of his career. Yeah, he didn't play well. He did not. The defense defense just shut it down that game. (laughs) That was the only best defensive game of the year. And then we blow him out offensively in the final game. So it's like – And they kill us offensively. Dwayne Haskins was having like a – you know, the game of his young career. That's actually – that was when they really messed him up. That I remember they, in the first game when they put him in the yes. they started so, like they brought the first him in time yeah half before half I think and Jack Rippon picked him off right later it, in the game. it was he had a really Real bad had to pick six but he, they yeah. should not have put him in the Real Peppers yeah right they should not have put him in that game it was so obvious no, that wasn't right that wasn't you, right you knew you knew that it was there because they're like oh Daniel Jones is winning it was off the Bucks game they're like we got to put our guy in there now and yeah. Even though the Giants, that was as close to hot as they were going to get. And uh, they were feeling themselves at that point in time. Two and two, eight games. That was, yeah, two and two, it's like the rest of the season's wide open. That's Who what knows what's going to happen? We're two and two. Who well, knows? Four weeks through, the season's not over. Nice. Yeah, sweet. Two and eight, you're just like, well, you know, <laughs> we got to win everything <laughs> from here. Yeah, well, you blink and you can't go above 500 for the third year in a row. But at the same, on the same note, like, you can't tell me the NFL, it's not about that. Teams get on hot streaks all the time, all the time to end the season. The Chargers, what was it? When we, when we had signed Brandon Marshall, this had to have been three, four years ago, that team. Remember we played oh, the, the Chargers in a loser-goes-home game, essentially? We were both expected to be good. We were all terrible. Every one of our wide receivers got hurt. I think and was, the Chargers no. won like nine in a row after that. It happens all the time. Yeah. You, 
They were 0 and 5, mm. and we were yeah. 0 and 4. You can is that the game where Odell got hurt? They yes. all got hurt. Yes. Sterling got hurt. Brandon Marshall got hurt. Odell got hurt. Brandon Marshall, what a waste of a signing that guy. We was. were like, well, here we come. Brandon Marshall. Yeah. It just, Ugh, dude, we have to. I mean, I just feel like there was too much, like, stress. I mean, you can just tell. If you look at Pat Shermer when he got signed to where he was, I mean, I don't know if it's an expectation thing, and I'm sure it is, but, like, you can't be, like, desperate for these wins. You literally have to go in there and just be like, every day we just got to earn a W. That's, it's as simple as that. You can't go in like, we need this yeah, like, W. Man, it can't be. Really yeah. be desperate for it. You know that people who are desperate, that's, that's not how the world works. The more desperate you – you have to work for it. You have to sustain that, or it's not just going to happen. You can't just go out. It's any given Sunday, but, dude, come on. Like, if you're not prepared for it, you're not going to get the dub. It's just not going to happen. You fail the plan, you plan to fail. Pat Schreiber had to go ASAP. <laughs> and he did. ASAP. Worst, like, motivated. Judge better be here for 10 years, though, because this is not a coaching carousel-type city, so – we yeah. need him to stay here for a while. What people are worried about is that then Gettleman, if he is gone after this year, it's like, great. So it's a carousel in general. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're losing a GM. A, a, a it's like circus. I don't know. I don't know if it's that serious. I mean, it, it could be, but I just – we'll see. I think being in a room with Saban and Belichick and winning that many national championships and Super Bowls, something rubs off, dude. You just – you got to have that winning like, culture about you, the drip. The, you know, the swag. It just has to be that. You can't – I mean, fine. He's not, he's not the signal caller yet, or we don't even know it's to be seen. But he's getting guys to help him with that. He's getting a former – two former head coaches, like offensive coordinators, a defensive coordinator who – these guys are experienced. It's not like he's bringing up Joe Schmo from Rutgers to mm-hmm. help him out, you know? So, we'll see. We'll see. All right. So – we're going to get into another positive here. And uh, I'm not sure if you guys saw the news, but Gronk won a WWE championship at WrestleMania. It might've been last night or two nights ago. Yeah. Um, Well-deserved Super Bowl champion, WWE champion, hand in hand stuff. First time ever. Gotta be. Uh, I mean, we're going to get into it. I know LT was uh, in the WWE. Goldberg played for, played football i don't think he ever won a super bowl <laughs> yeah i don't know I, we, we'd have to deep dive into that but okay. yeah but goldberg uh, was also that inspired me and i know i reached out to you guys and you guys were on board uh i got to thinking and we've done this before on this show with xfl players you know xfl could he play in the nfl this is going to be different uh i just want to make sure we get it down so we're going to do uh essentially a mount rushmore or our top four picks um snake draft of course so one of you two uh one of you two will go first but It'll be top four giants from any decade, any age, any range that we would want to have our back. It could be in a fight, a bar fight, just on the street as a security guard. However you want to look at it, someone who's going to have your back. I don't know if you guys want to flip a coin to decide who goes first here. but um, Rock, paper, scissors? All right, ready? Rock, rock. Paper. rock paper. We're going to do rock, paper, scissors, shoot. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. All right, ready? Ready? Rock. Paper, scissors, shoot. There's a delay. All right. Why are you going so slow? All right. So Jim wins by default. No, Joe delayed. What are you doing? You're like, eh. (laughs) Jim wins by default. That was deliberate. He was trying to size you out. Cheating is not allowed, Joe. All right. You go Come on. Fucking Houston Astros over here. All right. So I didn't even need to write this name down. Um, I knew if I went 1 1, I feel like 
it's a snake draft, so there's no right answers, but this is the only right answer. Uh, if you don't pick Lawrence Taylor, yeah. I don't even know what the fuck you're doing, man. Cause... I mean, there's an infamous picture of him jumping off a turnbuckle in an LT shirt, and I've debated putting this as my like icon for years. It's just so cool. He was the Forget person. Giants. He might be number one pick in NFL history to have your back in a bar fight, just in general. Oh, in the street. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. And the greatest drug addict of all time. And the thing is, I mean, one of the he's definitely top five New York athlete drug addicts because I mean, there's been so many. There's been a few. Um, so they are pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, Rock <laughs> and Daryl are a close second, if anything. Uh, but when I think of LT, I also think that I feel like he would stop the fight before it even started. It's like a Mike Tyson vibe. I mean, and he's not. You're like, you sure you want to do this? Yeah, he would talk to them, and I've I've seen him talk. I feel like he would probably ease the situation. He'd be like, "Guys, come on." Bro, when he was in the Sopranos, no one was no one was turning to him. Yeah, they'll get up and then they'll see LT turn and they'll sit back down. So I, I mean, think LT twice. is a safe one-one. Yeah, definitely. Joe, uh, my one-two is uh, gonna be the fucking bulldozer, Brandon Jacobs. Oh, nice! That's a good one. <laughs> that's <laughs> absolute animal. That's a really good pick, Joe. And just that's based off size. I mean, that's. Yeah. <laughs> When he was at Eli's um, retirement thing, there was somebody tweeted like multiple people have gone up to Brandon Jacobs and commented on how he stayed in good shape, blah, blah, blah. Seems like he'd still play. And uh, when asked about it, Brandon Jacobs was like, yeah, I get that all the time. <laughs> Savage, bro. <laughs> he, coaches, uh, he coaches like uh, – he, he runs like a big peewee uh, football program in Atlanta, Georgia. I follow him on Instagram. His handle is NYTDRecord27. Yeah. yeah. Hey, a spot to lie. I mean, he's telling the truth. He must have had two dozen one-yard touchdowns. Well, him in high school was a scary sight. Well, I was going to mention that in that second Super Bowl run, that was what they talked about as well because he was out of a job. I mean, no one was really playing him, and he just had the mantra. He was the big back for the Giants. Then they brought him back again, and he was just the same person. If anything, he was kind of in more shape. And, dude, he helped us out a lot that year. And he went – the year after the Super Bowl, he went to the Niners. And I remember he had this, like, huge run in preseason. But then, like, they never played him. And mm-hmm. he ended up, like, being, like, this bullshit. He ended up getting suspended, contract, detrimental to the team. It's like Justin Tuck when he went to the, when he went to the Raiders. Like, some people just got oh, – yeah. Oh, yeah, Justin Tuck. Hey. Steve Smith when he went to – where is it? I don't know. He went to the Eagles. But, like, Eagles. He didn't even play. Steve Smith. Was he a part of that dream team? He, he was. was. He yeah. was part of the dream team. The, the, eight, the eight and eight dream team. <sighs> was it eight and eight? I thought they finished under five hundred when they right. signed. Nine. Nine. They ended up. They ended up getting hot. And I remember being like, "They're not going to squeak in." The they I were the fucking this. daydream team, bro. Darius Slay. Everyone's like Darius Slay. Darius Slay. I'm like the Eagles love to ruin good corners. Dominic, oh, Namdi, Namdi Asamoah. Dude, you remember they how ruined him? East that guy, was that guy fell off the face of the earth. He, he was, was like he was num- he was top one when he was on the he was the top prize free agent when they got him everyone was so pissed in Oakland the was- death, they're all in out never forget all right I got one here I got two actually I get two picks snake draft so Joe you're you're technically on the clock be ready um, you know it <laughs> I could go a few ways here but here's what we're gonna do I'm gonna get a little uh, sugar and spice here um, not really sugar but we're gonna go Michael Strahan naturally. Um, another, another guy, I, he's much nicer than Lawrence Taylor, but I feel the same thing. If you saw Michael Strahan, at least where we live, he diffused the situation first. And then you just look at his biceps and you know, his teeth and you're like, I definitely want 
no part of this guy. All right. Be like, gotta fight somebody. Be like, yo, wait. Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan. Walk around looking like that with his tooth gap. Imagine what he'd do to you. We're going to tie it in here. My second pick is going to be Will Hernandez. I'm going to go Will Hernandez just to get a current member in. And based on his neck alone, I think that's what I'm going off of. If you look at that man's neck and kind of how he walks around, I've seen, I haven't met Will personally, but I've seen guys like him walk around before. And I mean, I just would love to know the size shirt he wears because it just comes over. He's just so wide. A human up, house. Pick up the bar or whatever we are. You wouldn't even get to throw a punch. He's so big. It's crazy. He, probably can, he could never go on public transportation. Plus, he lays the wood. And, I mean, I love that. He's, he's a run blocker. And that's a Gettleman draft pick right there, man. <laughs> yeah, it is a Gettleman draft pick. He, he needs to be seasoned a little bit too. And I think uh, that's yeah. a guy they have to be careful dropping the ball on because they need to make sure – He's a good run blocker. You got to help him with everything else. A good run blocker could look really bad in pass, and that'll mess with him a little bit. So, good. All right, Joe, you're on the clock. All right, don't even need the time. I'm going with uh, the bona fide badass, Jeremy Shockey. Oh, that was going to be mine, you motherfucker. Jeremy Shockey was the man, dude. When Colin Kaepernick, when he started taking a knee and people were speaking out, he put up an Instagram picture. It was like just his face, like this, like just like this part of his face. And he was like, this country, I bleed red, white, and blue, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you kneel for the handsome, I'll kick your ass. I remember that. I, remember. <laughs> I believe him. Dude, my dad was telling me when Jim Fossil was the coach, when they went to the Super Bowl 2000 against the Ravens, Jeremy Shockey was the guy. His offense was tight end, tight end, tight end. Jeremy Shockey was always getting the ball. He's my dad's favorite giant. And then Coughlin took over, and Coughlin had a more blocking tight end offense. And then Shockey was like, yo, why not get the fucking ball? And he started speaking out. And he wasn't my dad's favorite giant anymore because he started speaking out. Then he, he, he broke his foot, I think. Uh, he broke something. He didn't play Super Bowl uh, yep. 42. He ended up getting the game-winning – the game winning or the game sealing, like the touchdown to go up by two scores and seal the game for the Saints when they won the Super Bowl. So yep. he, had, he had two Super Bowls. Was he – Quite no, he, the career. He had two Super Bowls. And his hair was awesome. And his hair was sick. Yeah. yeah. That Very didn't run with, without the helmet on, right? The helmet came off. Well, my thing was it, yeah, it came running. right outside yeah. the helmet, which is always big. He had like the mm. perfect length. And I don't know if he put the helmet on and cut around it, but it was always just long enough that it didn't like exceed but the shirt. couldn't like pull out it either. It was yeah. good. It was it was sick. It it really added to his image, like the like the motorcycle guy who like likes playing football. Tattoos. Yeah. All right, Jim. Um, all right. You get two picks. You get two. Picks. Oh shit! I do get two picks. All right, cool. That's actually perfect. So, uh, adjacent um, Michael Strahan for a little while was OCU Manure. That's gonna oh, be my next pick. He's a fucking absolute savage. I always think of that sack against the Falcons in 2012 where he didn't even hit the ground when he sacked Matt Ryan. Mm. So his teammates were making fun of him. They're like, "You don't want to get your uniform dirty." <laughs> Absolute legend, bro. I love OC. Um, and then on the way back, I'm going to go with, ready? When you think of the world's biggest thighs, I feel like one name comes to mind. No way you're going to And it's Kevin one. Booth. I was going to do that one. Bro, man, the, you look at Kevin Booth. Oh, my God. His lower body is, I can't is believe you picked Kevin Booth. stuff of the gods, bro. If, if you were about to get into a bar fight with him and he gets a little bit low and just gives you a shove, you're flying across the fucking room, bro. Wow. He's throwing you like a gerbil. Kevin Booth, I think uh, that's funny that you're going to pick him too, Joe, but that dude was a force. I like your pick. I got a crazy last one now. That's a really good pick. Joe, you're on the clock. <laughs> All right. I just, I gotta, I'm going to go with my backup because I knew I had to have a lineman in there, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to pick like Sean O'Hara or Chris Snee. 
So I'm going to go way, way, way back. I'm picking Roosevelt Brown. He played in like the 60s, I'm pretty sure. And he was a tank. He was always pulling, barreling people over. I'm going to go with Rosie Brown. That's a whole type of football. An no, no homage to uh to one of the greats. That's good. That's good. All right. Kevin Booth, I wanted to do though. He was a fucking rich <laughs> savage. Shit. Booth was it, yeah. Um, okay. So I'm gonna switch it up because now I'm thinking, and I have done two linemen, offensive defense, so I gotta switch it up here. And uh I'm gonna get a uh, give a shout out here to all the Steves of the world, and we're gonna go Steve Weatherford. Certified bodybuilder, men's fitness. Now, just because you have the muscles doesn't mean he's necessarily uh, a fighter, but we're just going to roll the dice on it. I don't know if you've seen him recently, but he's a brick shithouse. So. Ripped. Yeah, so I, I, I remember when he was punting, I was like, definitely don't want to get tackled by that guy. Super Bowl champ. Cousins prom. Him and Zach Diossi, another special teams guy, went to my cousin's prom. Well, if nice. you want, we could – well, I'll send this to him. I'll reach out to Steve and be like, hey – do you remember Joe's cousin? You were at, what, yeah, just prom, you said? Oh, they're in high school prom in 2014. <laughs> yeah, Jerry remembers it fondly. Why? Like, at proms where I met my wife. <laughs> he definitely wouldn't remember that, though, because how often do these guys probably go to proms? Like, you know? Like, yeah, probably all the time. It was probably like one of his, it was probably like his last full season with the Giants. He's it's either that or like at a Dunkin' Donuts while people line up to get an autograph. Could have been on the Jets, too. No, 2014, now he's on the Giants, but still. Yeah, yeah Roosevelt right. well, played 53 to 65 for the Giants. This is tough. This well, is my last pick. Uh, I didn't know if we were doing four or five. Hall of Famer. We do four. Uh, we have honorable mentions after this, so that's okay. Uh, and we have some good ones, I'm sure. I'm going to go here. I'm going to get creative. And this is someone, this is a fan favorite. And I'm very happy I could get this for my last pick. Um, I'm going to go with the Hinoceros. We're going to go with mm. Hinoski. Um, I was at his elephant celebration, his first career touchdown game. The, 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 yeah, the, yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. awesome. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna <laughs> go with the rhinoceros, uh, and I just loved how he lead blocked. And they would always get him on the on the play action. They dump him the ball, and he'd hurdle over people sometimes because he'd be Ooh, he so scared had a, he had a to nice hit him. Yeah, he had a really good hurdle, and people would be terrified to tackle him. So I don't blame them. So <laughs> I'd get hurdled by him too. Yeah, you remember Bear Pasco? He, he hurdled somebody in, like, the same game, I remember, in that mm-hmm. Cowboys game. Bear Pasco. Oh, so good. All right, so, that I mean, that's it for me. It's up to Joe now, and then, Jim, you're going to top us all off. So The honorable mention is right. I'm doing what now? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Joe, don't steal Jim's pick. <laughs> honorable mention, you said? No, 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 no this, this is your fourth. Pick. This is the last pick. Oh, shit. We've only done three? God, I thought that was this is the fourth. This is the fourth. Yeah. All right. Um, I got to shuffle between a couple here. I really thought I already said four. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think of anyone. There's there's some big names that we left there's off. There's still this some list. big names oh. left. Yeah, yeah. There's some major like, names. I got to go for a man who was snubbed out of the Hall of Fame. Uh, it's Carl Banks. Wow. Carl oh. Banks great, great linebacker. He's a nice guy, but he would he would let you have it. <laughs> Definitely prime Carl Banks. And he's an excellent analyst. Excellent analyst. He is a really excellent. good analyst. I had a wonderful him. second act. Yeah, his spots on the fan are always great. I love him. He was an animal, though. My dad, he loved Carl Banks. He's good on Twitter, too. I love it when someone yeah. like you know from that era is really good on Twitter. Embraces it, right? They when just they get it. back at people. 
If someone yeah. like, yo, Giants suck, he'll be like, yo, explain to me, like, why, like, get into detail. Like, you fucking asshole. Like, <laughs> he'd be like, oh, so you think they should find Pat Shermer after two weeks? Yeah, 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 no, good call. He never talked about Pat Shermer's job, dude. He never. He does, he like, never talk about a man's job. It's big. Yeah, yeah too much respect. The team. It's, like, it's like Des Bryant can't talk shit about Jason Garrett because he works for the Cowboys. Not Des Bryant, uh, Michael Irvin. Um, Jim, all right. you. So this is going to be a little bit controversial. Okay. But Geno Smith, because he can take a punch. Oh. <laughs> we know he knows what it feels like to get fucking rock in the face. He's probably no longer phased by it, dude. I'm going with Geno Smith. Who broke Eli Manning's fucking starting streak. Didn't he have a uh, surgery on his jaw after that? Yeah, dude. He missed like eight weeks. IK and Impala. And immediately after they cut that guy, after punching Geno Smith, uh, the Bills signed him because Rex Ryan was the coach. Bro, players on the Jets said Geno Smith deserved that because he didn't pay back like a pay, pay for a flight or something like that. Hilarious. Yeah, he, yeah, he owed him like 300 bucks and he was like ducking him. <laughs> this guy's like, Yo, I'm the practice squad. I need this. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of how to start these honorable mentions. Um, I mean, there's two that we talked about prior to this that'll definitely come up. Uh, I'll just uh, start it off, and we'll go Plaxico and Janoris Jenkins. And I need to uh, make sure the people of the audience know that the reason Plaxico didn't make the list, and this was controversial. We talked about this prior. We don't know if he'd have an accurate shot or not because mm. the only evidence we have of him at the club is him shooting himself. We know he's willing to bring it. That much we know for a fact. <laughs> Does that help? He's like Cheddar Bob. Did Cheddar Bob help anything in 8 Mile? No. He didn't help no. anything in 8 Hey, mile. if he didn't shoot himself, Eminem wouldn't have had that dope line in the ending rap. Yeah. It was good. That is a good point. And then, Jim, this is your personal favorite. If you want to touch on Janoris Jenkins, or it's more – it would Janoris Jenkins would be the fall guy if we really got into trouble, but it's more Janoris Jenkins' brother who's going to pack the heat. Yeah, well, you know, Janoris Jenkins and his brother, I can only assume, are a package deal if we're going out to the club. Like, That's fair. Uh, I'm just going to assume that. You know, get his brother um, on furlough for the night, you'll be good. Well, yeah, his brother might be in jail now, but – so they wouldn't be a package anymore. But Not anymore. Maybe, maybe in jail, <laughs> yeah. hey, maybe. I, bet, I bet they used to hang out all the time. Hey, 20 <laughs> years from now. <laughs> I'll give him a call. I'll give him a call when I'm in trouble. All right. Oh, I have another one. This is someone I wanted to make. Oh, well, two people because you talk about the O'Hara. So I think David Deal is a refrigerator. I think David mm-hmm. Deal would have been my fifth if I had the choice. Uh, David Deal I have, and I also have Jesse Armstead. That's my guy. Mm-hmm. I met Jesse Armstead at Olive Garden. Really? Oh. Nice guy. Oh, really nice guy. We're 98 if you needed to know how big he actually was. Anyone who wears uh, 98 or 99, it's the last number available. And yeah. Normally that's it. Did you guys have a chat over some breadsticks and unlimited pasta or what? Uh, so I went in and I was maybe four or five years old. I was very oh. embarrassed. But him and my dad, I think, took a picture and ate some breadsticks together, which, I mean, I could only imagine was delicious. The best thing in the world. Delicious. <laughs> I actually got one. Uh, so there was actually a point in time where this man had the highest bench press in the entire NFL. You know who that is, Joe? Fucking uh, uh Linval Joseph. Yes, Linval Joseph at one point was the strongest man according to the bench press in the whole NFL. Super I think black. it was like 480 or something. Still a big, actually a, a very big factor on the Vikings defense, Linval Joseph. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Linval Joseph. To yeah. your point earlier, Chino, he was number 97 if I remember correctly. Yeah, you know, small guys can't wear those numbers. Yeah, no. yeah he still is 97. 97. Uh, 
okay, someone else too. We didn't mention him, but I think JPP would throw a curveball at people. I think uh, obviously his size is a big thing. I once met him at a Walmart. Uh, very oh, nice. Man. Did not talk to me, but very nice person. Uh, assuming again, he didn't talk. I was to gonna me. say, how do you know that? <laughs> he he was doing shopping with his girlfriend, so I think he was just being a normal person. But I'll assume mm-hmm. that was just him being nice. Anyways, um, I think the hand would throw people off. I think the left hand might throw people off. I think if he led with the left and everyone got distracted by the fingers, he then could. Or is it is it his right hand? I think what would throw people off is he'd be on the other side of the fucking room and he'd punch you in the face. You'd be like, how the fuck did yeah. he do that? He's got like, his arms are so long. He's like Mr. Incredible or some shit, bro. Yeah, that's a really good point. Dude, you, or, uh, no, Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic, sorry. Mr. Incredible is also fine because he's like a bigger guy and has like a bunch of superpowers. Yeah, but I mean, like the long arms. You yeah, know? He, he blocks so many field goals. It's just mm-hmm. unforgettable. And then, we, have a, uh, we have a Cowboys fan, Frantino. Um, and after that week four team game, when he blocked that ball, uh, the kick in Jerry World to win that oh, game, yeah. uh, I made that his computer background. And um, he's a good sport, so he kept it there for a while because he thought he deserved it. I, I'd probably be depressed if that happened. Um, yeah, he you want to hear a fun fact about that game? This actually started my uh, – so I have a – I'm not, like, that superstitious, and I say that by saying I'm very superstitious. Um, so I feel like the Giants do better when I don't watch them. So that game actually started uh, what I do now. So if the Giants do bad, I just turn off the game entirely. Or I'll You still do that? So you just never watch? So, no, I watch. I watch. I watch. It's just <laughs> – so, like, if it's a big game, that was, like, week 14. Okay. So, like, if I'm like, this is must win, we got to get it, and we get down 14 nothing, I'm going to TBS, TNT, trying to find a movie I can watch in the meantime. And then I just hit the back button and just see where we're at every now and then. And if we're doing good, I keep it off. And if we're not doing so good, then maybe I'll watch it because nothing will change. But So the last time you did that was probably in 2016 against the Packers in the playoffs. I couldn't turn that TV off. I was actually out at a Hooters watching that. And uh, okay. that one, I wish. If I, if I drove, I would have left – I would have done my part and went home. Hey, that game didn't uh, didn't go so well. <laughs> no. Remember that I got the Hail Mary? Our, my buddy, who we went to Cleveland with, that Jimmy knows, my buddy Mike, <laughs> there's a video that my buddy got of him. Like, right like right after the Hail Mary, he didn't say anything. And, like, two minutes later, he got up. He's like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Two plays, and they're beating us. It's a great video. <laughs> well, we deserve the Hail Mary, though. Because when the Akeem Nicks did that to them, that Packers team was 15-1. and 15-1 coming off the Super Bowl. Only and then Akeem Nicks has two touchdowns in the first half. First 15-1 team to be one and done. Akeem Nicks had a crazy touchdown the week before that. The Remember Falcons game? The Falcons Falcons they yeah. literally let him score. Like, they didn't want to yeah. And that would spin off the one tackle. What's yeah, even like- crazier is that Nicks that season was just like – kind of like the underperformer. Like, everyone knew he's supposed to be the big guy, and, like, he just wasn't doing that great. He wasn't doing as great as everyone thought, mm-hmm. and then the postseason came, and it was just... I have a hockey Knicks jersey with uh, the Super Bowl patch on it. In the Super Victor, Bowl- Victor Cruz had a very good regular season that year. Yeah, he carried a lot of it. very good regular Cruz, season. Dude, we really... Because think about that team without Cruz. I mean, Cruz was a 1,000-yard receiver. Yeah. Dude, people, eight touchdowns, maybe nine. Here, after the Super Bowl, too, like after he was already a 2012, he was a dog. Unbelievable. A dog. Dude, if he didn't get hurt and Odell didn't come, like people forgot about how great he was. Like he didn't just yeah. have one year. There he is right behind you. Yeah. yeah. Watchers touchdown. Pointing. That was gigantic. Yeah, he scored the Super Bowl touchdown. And, yeah, that's the thing. So I remember Odell was hurt his rookie year. 
And then Odell came back, and they were finally going to play together in Philly, and then Victor Cruz got hurt. But we were getting mm-hmm. our asses beat in that game. He dropped the touchdown and tore his, like, ACL on the same player. That's still not the most disgusting touchdown drop during an injury I've ever seen. It easily no? goes down to, uh, I think, Heath Miller with the Chicago Bears, or it might be a different Miller. You that, remember what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. He caught that, and they, like, reversed it because he let it go because he broke his leg. Dude, he yeah. on the ground. He's already he on the ground. His- he had to be rushed to the hospital. He almost lost his leg. Lost I think he could have died. There's something crazy. I was like, you couldn't even give him the touchdown? It was a catch. <laughs> that was when no one knew what a catch was. That that, was yeah, that was right, like, in the Dez Carter era. Patriots game with the overturn and touchdown. Like, yeah, this will be the game they go back on. This will be the one. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, guys, we're going to have this poll up later uh, in the week. You guys can vote on who the who had the best Mount Rushmore. But uh, guys, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. And let's go Giants. Let's go thanks team. for having us, man. Let's go Giants. That interview with Jim Pizzappi and Joe Bonico were brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? All right, guys. Well, that's going to be it for our show today. Uh, again, thanks to those two guys for stopping by and uh, hopefully putting a smile on your faces. You'll be able to vote on our Mount Rushmore's or our top four there uh, on my on the Twitter account at uh, NYFootballPod. You could also follow me on Twitter at Tino Rodriguez. Uh, be sure to follow us and listen on all the podcast networks such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, and, of course, the Believe Podcast Network, uh, the Believe website, B-L-E-A-V.com. Like, download, subscribe on all those guys. Comment, leave a comment, all appreciated. And I hope you guys enjoyed. Thanks for coming out again. And uh, stay safe, stay indoors. Talk to you next week. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube